Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Let's, uh, let's pray one more time. Uh, if, if you don't need it, I do, so pray for me. So let's... Uh, Let's pray and ask God to touch us. Father, we thank you today. We love you. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what it means. We ask you right now to touch us, Lord God, each and every one of us. Let us put today's activities to the side, Lord God, and dwell on you. Dwell on your word, Lord God, for what it means for us, Lord God. Touch us, God. Touch every endeavor we do today. Strengthen us. Strengthen our minds, Lord God, for we want to learn of you, Lord God. Draw near to you, Lord God. Have this word retained in us, Lord God. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy, Lord God. Have your way this day. Thank you for what you're going to do. The holy name of Jesus, amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Lord. Okay, today's lesson is marked for a calling. The big idea is if you humbly present yourself before God as broken and flawed, he will use your testimony to bring salvation to the lost. And that is so true. Just as each and every one of us is truly an individual, unique within our own self, um, as me and Sister Rayleigh's had twins, they are twins, but they're different, you know, and all of us are different. We have different likes and dislikes. I mean, we all love the Lord. We all have different personalities, though, and we bring, as we would say, something a little bit different to the table. That is why that, as this says, with all of our brokenness, our flaws that we have, you know, there's nobody perfect, and I'll be the first one to raise my hand. But what we can do is just, when God said, go ye therefore, and then go, go out, teach all other nations, you know, be a testimony. All I got to do is just tell other people what God has done for me. You know, I ain't got to talk about you, so to speak. Not that I'm ashamed of what you have. All I got to do is just tell what God has done for me, for my family, the experience that I've had. And that's what's truly unique, and that's what makes all of us different and unique in the Lord. For he has truly... Um, accomplish them things in our life. And it's the lesson today is marked for calling. God has called us. He's marked us. And make no mistake about it. If you have his spirit, you are marked. The Bible calls it sealed. You are sealed. Sealed is marked. You are marked. Now, let's read Isaiah 6. This is the text, Isaiah 6. And we'll read 5 through 8. This is Isaiah, his vision in the temple. He said, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he has taken with the tongs from off the altar. He laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, thy sin, uh, um, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Now, he takes, this is Isaiah, a lot's happened. It's just jumping right in the middle of the story. A lot is happening right now in this. But what I want to do is back up just a little bit. I want to go to, let's read. If you will, turn with me or if just read on the screen. I want to go to 2 Chronicles uh, 25, 14. I want to read one verse. This is speaking, this is Uzziah. It starts off in the 6th chapter. This is where the vision takes place of the year that King Uzziah died. But this is speaking of Uzziah's father. And I just want us to get a glimpse of this. Now it came to pass that, that after Amaziah, that's Uzziah's father, had come from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the children of Seir and set them up to be his gods and bowed himself down before them and burned incense unto them. Now you, you would think, what are you doing? You would do this in Judah? And then he wanted to, as we would say, pat himself on the back. And you can read about this in the 25th chapter of where he takes, and he even goes as far as send a message to the king of Israel and said, let us meet face to face. The king of Israel replies back to him and sends him a little parable and calls him a thorn and said, the thorn says to the cedar of Lebanon, let us meet face to face. And then of all things, you ask for my daughter to marry your son because you have defeated the Edomites. And basically he tells him in our language, if you want to brag, you just stay home and brag. Don't start gloating everywhere. Look what you've done. You took their idols, you bring them home, and you set them up and you called Judah to commit idolatry? And you want to gloat about that? He was said, no, don't be doing that. But the Bible says he would not listen. This is Uzziah's father. And he burned incense unto them. So this is what I just wanted to give us a picture of what's leading up to what I just read. So now turn with me to the 26th chapter, just the next chapter over, and go to uh, verse 16. But this is speaking about Uzziah. Now, the Bible tells us that the people took him. Now, it did not end well for his father. His father, Uzziah's father, the people actually slew him. They had had enough of him. They slew him. And the Bible says that the people took Uzziah and made him king at 16 years of age. And the Bible says he reigned 52 years. But this is where... And the Bible talks about Zechariah being with him, not the writer of the book of Zechariah, another Zechariah, but uh, uh, the man of God being with him. And the Bible says as long as Uzziah heeded the counsel of Zechariah, God blessed him in his efforts. God was with him, prospered him. And this is at the end. And the Bible says when Uzziah's heart was lifted up, in other words, it got to be more about me, the king, than about God. 
Because the Bible says he had over 300,000 men. You mess with me? Baby, I got an army backing me up. So all of a sudden, it seems to me when you read the story, just like his dad, Uzziah flexed his muscles. But this was not going right. So in the 16th verse, when he was strong, the Bible even admits, when he was strong, but when he was strong in his flesh, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Okay, his dad burned incense to the idols. Now here's his son that had reigned 52 years. I know he knew that was wrong. The king did not go in there. That's why the priest went in after him. The high priest and 80 other priests. You can read it in the Bible. You king out there, but you're not king in here. I know he knew it was wrong, but his heart lifted him up and deceived him. And all of a sudden, you know what? I'm just so big, I'm so strong, I'll go in the temple, I'll burn incense unto the Lord. And, and, he's, and the, the high priest told him, in other words, this is not in your job description. You can't do this. So this is what it said in 17. And Arazar the priest went after him with fourscore priests of the Lord that was valiant men, and they withstood him, the king, and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord. But to the priest of the sons of Aaron's, listen, that are consecrated to burn incense, go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be thine honor before the Lord. Now, I believe at that point, God was giving him a way out. Right then, I believe he had the incense, and I believe God in his mercy, this is me, I believe God was saying, right now, the high priest went in, the high priest had back up. Other words, back up from the Lord. If you'll stop right now and go out, somehow I believe it. I just believe that God would have just, I don't know. It's just me. I believe that, that God was giving him a way out. And, and he just, you're not going to get honor from this. I don't care if you're the king. To start with, it took a lot of, just pardon me, it took a lot of guts for the high priest to go in and to go face to face with the king, even in the temple. Because all he had to say is, you know what? I don't like the way you look. I'm gonna have you, I'm gonna have your life taken. But the high priest knew you can't do this. So he went in and told him, he says, You're not gonna get no honor. Then Uzziah was wroth, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, that's when the leprosy rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Arazar, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out thence. And yea, and himself hasted to go out because the Lord had smitten him. Now, and what's really, truly sad to me is that the Bible says, I believe when a priest, I've said it and I believe it, when the priest went in, 
Incense was this way. It wasn't a sweet-smelling savor until they put the holy fire with it. I believe he went in with a censer of incense. The fire hadn't been put with it. The high priest was telling him, God ain't going to honor this. He was wroth. He turned his, he turned his arrogance towards the priest. That was a big no-no. It, it was a big no-no to do it outside. You come in God's house and do it, all of a sudden his forehead, meaning the spot that they could see the most, turned white. And they didn't, the priest didn't ask. They thrust him out of the temple. And what is truly sad to me, until the day of his death, he was a leper. Now, and really, I don't know, maybe it's because we live in the dispensation of grace. But did it really, all the good, you read, Uzziah loved vineyards. The Bible says he, he had husbandmen. In other words, he loved the ground. He had people that worked in the vineyards. He, had, he was skilled. He had really, he built up this army. God really prospered him. At no part of the rest of his life did he ever think about repenting? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if he had went so far as we would say that God just took it from him. I don't know. But it really saddens me at this point in the Bible that God did it and to the day of his death he was a leper. This was Uzziah. And that's the... that's. What I wanted to make. Now, when you go back to Isaiah, let's go back to Isaiah, to the beginning of the sixth chapter. That's why I wanted, the reason I wanted to say all of that is to let you know what had transpired in the book of Isaiah, the sixth chapter. That is why when it says it was in the year that King Uzziah died, all this has transpired. It had happened with his father. It had happened with him. In other words, and I believe God was telling his prophet, Isaiah, Isaiah, all is for naught. I have a plan. And he took, and he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphim, each one having six wings, and twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And he cried one, and, and, and one cried unto another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Now, the Bible says that where the seraphims, and this is the only place in the Bible they are referred to as seraphims, is here, meaning uh, to burn or burning ones. It says that they cried, and get this, and they cried unto another. Their declaration wasn't to God. They was just making this majestic declaration, period. And in the vision of Isaiah, Isaiah said because of this Declaration 
that the post holding the door would even move. And just them saying that God was holy, 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 that even that the door, even in the temple, was moved. Even such an object, a solid object, even responded to them. And they wasn't even addressing it to the Lord. They was just saying it, saying it, making this declaration. So he says, they have this. Now he's taking and he's telling Isaiah, it's okay. The one you had, the kings, kings was in for life. He's died, but don't worry. He went into my house and tried to be king. But no, I'm the king out there and I'm the king in my house. So he took his man and he let him see it. So he took and he did this. Now, it seems like, it seems like in the times, as Lord, that we can even see, when you take a nation and it starts reeling and rocking and everything is like seeming like it's happened with our nation, we've seen everything that's happened in the last year and even before that, and we've got a, one branch of government and we got another branch of government, so to speak, and all they do is fight with each other. And, you know, just, I got the mic, so I'll speak. All, all I would like to say is what about America? I'm not trying to simplify the, the matter. I don't care about the party. Just pardon me. I don't care about the party. What about America would be my answer. It is not, it's just so much division that's happening in our country. And it's just so much was happening in Isaiah's time. And God was just letting him know, I am in control. I sit on the throne. I make the decisions that matter. And then we see this, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, the assassination, the assassination of President Kennedy. And we see this. I remember 9-11. I remember where I was at, what I was doing. When, when this attack happened and the aftermath and, and then how it just slowly just waned off, so to speak. But I, I just see this. But now, the opening of the sixth chapter, we see the political climate and Judah is seeing this national treasure that King Uzziah has died. They had had him for 52 years. He had done good. He had a powerful army. Everything was good and fine until his heart rose up in him and all of a sudden he tried to do something he should not, never, never have tried to do. And then they, they seen this. So they take and then the Bible says that they literally, literally took, took him, took Uzziah when he was only 16 years old. You know, 16, I mean, and he's made king, but he's a good king for 52 years, the Bible says. So he has this. Now, three generations of Judah would have known this man. So you could have seen the people, how they would have been a time of uncertainty when they would have seen this happen. And then this, to go like it did, and just the temple was central in Judah's time. And that's why the vision, Isaiah's vision, was in the temple. And it was such a, 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 a center, a, much, a centermost piece of that. So we see this happening. Now, 
during this tragedy, we see this happening. Now, Isaiah's vision, he saw a throne. It was in Solomon's temple. And he, with this vision in the throne, the governing authority, we see which, which had happened. It was not only the religious authority, but he had the governing authority also. But God only not presided over one, but he presided over the other. We see this. Now, in you see, if you would look back and just, if you want to, just do this as homework. When you look at the fifth chapter, we started reading in the sixth chapter. But when you go back to the fifth chapter, what you'll find in the first seven verses is a parable. And God is speaking. He gave a parable through Isaiah. And he's speaking of a vineyard. And he said to Israel and Judah, I gave you everything that I could give. And God even poses a question. What else could I have done? You had the best ground. You had the best of everything. The best water. You was just, you was plowed the best. You name it. And what did you do? The Bible says that the vineyard produced wild grapes. So God said, I'm going to take down the hedge. I'm going to just tear the fences down. And I'm going to allow this thing to go. So that's one through seven. Now, in verses eight through 30, Isaiah starts the woes, woes to the people. Now, in the Bible, when you read of woes, it's not a good sign. So Isaiah starts pronouncing these woes. He gives, in the fifth chapter, he gives these six woes, and then he takes... And he's telling them what they must do. And this is going to be judgment that's going to be pronounced. And God has told them, I've did everything I can. You want to go wild? So be it. But six woes Isaiah pronounced upon them. Now, he takes. And then what is unique, six woes. Well, actually, there's seven. The other one is in the 10th chapter. But there were seven woes pronounced upon them. But what is unique, six of them is in the fifth chapter. The beginning of the sixth chapter is when Isaiah has the vision. And what does that do? What it actually does, this is when Isaiah sees the seraphim and hear them pronounce that God is holy, 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 we see his reaction. He said, woe, this is the eighth one. Woe is me. Now, he's just pronouncing doom on Judah and Israel. But when he gets in God's holiness, Isaiah says, woe is me. Woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king and then the Lord of hosts. So he takes and he does this. He says, woe is me. So in other words, now God was using Isaiah as a corrective form to his people. 
But here as Isaiah says, I might be used, but my lips, the medium in which I speak to the people, I'm undone. And here is something that's always intrigued me ever since I have read it. The Bible says in six, chapter 6, 6, then one of the seraphims, the burning ones, unto me having a live coal in his hand, and this is which always has intrigued me, which he had taken with the tongues, with the tongues from off the altar. Now that's, that may, and I can tell by your excitement, it don't mean nothing to you. But to me, here is the burning ones, the brilliant, bright, burning creature. He doesn't need a set of tongs to take the coal from off the altar. I believe it was 100% respect to take the tongs, reach in, then put the tong in his, and then put the coal in his hand. But he took uh, the tong, took the coal, put it in his hand, and then he touched Isaiah's lips, the Bible says. And he just touched his lips, and that's when he told him, your iniquity. And when you read, when you go back and look at the Hebrew word iniquity, that's just not your, your casual sin. That is taking a lot into effect. Your iniquity and your sin is purged. So without, without me sounding too harsh, but just sounding human, something was off in Isaiah and God brought it out. And just him standing in God's holiness, that is why when the lady come up to the Lord and they had the rocks in their hand, all that lady heard was the sound of dropping rocks. When you stand in the presence of holiness, all of a sudden you see yourself just how you are. So Isaiah previously had been saying, woe, woe unto you. But now it's saying, woe is me. Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm undone. Not Judah's undone. I'm undone. So God was saying, I got a way to fix this. That which you speak, I'll fix. And he did. He did. He did this. So he takes and he does this for Isaiah. And the, the seraphim laid it on his lips. Your iniquity is taken away. The sin is purged. And that's when the Lord asked him the question, whom shall I send? And then after he is purged and felt clean. God, let me go. Let me go. Let me go. So he takes, he has this woe upon himself. And the, it was that something, I don't know, something without sounding harsh, and I don't want to, believe me. But just whatever it was, God took the time to take care of it. He will with each and every one of us. He knows us. That's what I'm saying. He knows our personalities. He knows how we operate, how we think, what motivates us, what makes us mad, happy, you name it. But here God took the time 
in this vision of the temple to fix Isaiah, and he did. So he took, he, he, just, he just did it. And then in this moment, Isaiah was forced, as all of us must make this time, when we come into God's holiness and feel his presence, I can't have no preconceived ideas of what I think or, or, or ever how I think it's going to be or whatever. No. I got to shed everything I think about what I think I know and just accept God as the true and living word. And when Isaiah did that, God said, your problem can be fixed and I'll fix it. And he did. He learned who really... Isaiah learned who he was when he seen God truly as he is, and that is in his holiness. Now, really and truly, when we see who God really is, it really opens up and sees us who as we are. Then, then we can, as Isaiah says, then we can start a ministry and, and keep on and and, and repentance, as we've been told, repentance is not a one-time thing. You know, you just, we're just human. We're just flesh and blood. And we just, we do this. And uh, God's fingerprints is all over us. And simply because we was made in his image after his likeness. So he created us. He knows us. And that's what's truly unique. And upon seeing God, Isaiah understood his uncleanness and that he was undone and he was broken and the, and the good thing about that is what better place, what better place to be undone than in the temple? Just like the potter on the potter's wheel. If you're going to be marred, at least be on the potter's wheel. For truly, when you, when you apply that spiritually, I mean in the hand of the potter, it's easy to be fixed. So he does this, but we see this happening and his iniquity or whatever it was that where he could denounce other nations or other people, but he needed to fix his own self and God allowed him to do that. We understand that, or we understand and seeing that, the first thing we got to do is address us, us, continually. I don't know about you, but I have to continually address me. You may be seated. <laughs> Afterward, when he, Isaiah heard, whom shall I send, who shall I go with? Uh, he, he responded, here am I, send me. And it's truly said by Isaiah owning his own brokenness, really, that he was able to continue his ministry. And God met him, he changed him. And then when Isaiah described God, he noted that God was sitting on his throne. And we know that he, in other words, a spirit don't have a body. So when Isaiah saw someone sitting on a throne, who did he see? We see, we see everything through the scope of time, a beginning and an ending. With the Lord, there is no beginning or no end. So God just let him glimpse just who he was. You got spirit and you got flesh. So he saw the Lord high and lifted up, sitting on his throne. 
and God let him see that. Now, I want you to go with me, um, if you want to, let's go to 2 Corinthians um, 1, and let's read 21 and 22. lesson has been called marked for calling 2 Corinthians 1 21 and 22 now he which stableth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God who hath also sealed us and give us the earnest of the spirit in our hearts he's telling them the one that anointed us, the one that established us is God, and the one that sealed us, the one that marked us, has given the earnest or the guarantee of what is of our inheritance of which is to come. We are marked. He has sealed us. God has did this. Now, we have that inheritance. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we are marked. I promise you. The enemy knows you are marked. I promise you, you are marked. The Bible refers to it as sealed, but to seal is to, to place a mark. You are marked. Now, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, or just read on the screen. I want to read Hebrews uh, 13, and let's read um, 15 and 16. By them, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Now, we have... And what I want to do is just look at what got the two men that I talked about. Amaziah and Uriah, father and son, in trouble of them when they would take incense in to burn. And in the Bible, it is referred to as a sweet savor unto the Lord. But the thing of it is, it was not considered that until it was mixed with holy fire. And there was men in the Bible that paid with their life who tried to mess with this holy fire. So what it is, from Old Testament to us right now, let us offer the sacrifice of praise continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So in other words, when you pray or you offer God thanks, that is a sacrifice unto God. You are offering your sacrifice, sacrifices to God. Now, in Revelation, the Bible says in 5.8, this is where he, the lamb just takes the 
the book in five eight. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, what I'm trying to say is in the Old Testament, the altar of burnt sacrifice, when the priest would come in, they would take and they would take some of the holy coals from off the fire, put on the incense, and it would have a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. God said, you do this. You do this. So what happens when you take and when you pray, it, some people, you know, how many times has it been said, you know, I prayed and, I, and, and it just felt like it was, <laughs> it got to the ceiling and that's it. When God gave us the, his spirit, the Holy Ghost, he gave us the fire with it. And what it does is literally when you pray, sometimes you may feel like literally, symbolically, you're at the Old Testament sacrifice. There's nothing around you but blood. God, I can't believe I'm in this situation. Look at my surroundings. And God said, just light the incense. Stop and offer prayer. And when you do, that is where the sweet-smelling savor is. Now, I want you to listen to this. I'm going to read one more verse and listen to this, what God said concerning this. In Exodus 30, 37. And as for the perfume, speaking of incense, which thou shalt make, listen, ye shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. God was telling them, if the priest is walking through the camp, and he smells this on somebody. I didn't read the next verse, but the Bible says you cut him off from the people. This smell is holy unto me, and it's gonna be holy unto me. For the making of this incense, you make it after the art of the apothecary, and this is only for me. Nobody else. So it is the sweet savor so it is an Old Testament analogy to a New Testament error that when you stop, regardless of what you're, I don't think it matters. It matters to us. We could be this deep in something or everything's great. I'm not trying to be cruel. It could be fine and dandy or you could be drowning. To God, when you stop and pray, it is a sweet-smelling savor. Because in the Old Testament, when they sacrificed and there is the raunchiest smell there is, God said, this smell is reserved for me and me only. You do not make this. You do not make it for any, any kind of attraction. That's why he's telling them, he said, this perfume you don't make. You don't take this composition and try to make a perfume out of it. This is for me. 
for me. So remember that when you close yourself off or when you offer me sacrifices of praise, it is a sweet smelling savor to me, regardless of where you're at. I mean, God knows where you're at or where we're at, where I'm at. He knows. He knows where we're at. So this is what got so many. And the Bible talks about us, us being kings and priests. Don't worry. Don't worry. We are in a dispensation where we are allowed to do that. Now he takes and he does this. So, but we, we are just in an area sometimes that I don't know if we appreciate the dispensation of grace that we're in. I don't know. I really don't know. I really don't know. But it is truly unique. Don't forget God said, this is reserved for me and me only. And I'll close with this last thought. Probably the last, I don't know, it's been months. But I've had an issue with my feet. And it has really bothered me. Um, but still. And one thing that we do is we just compensate. So what I what I done, of course I went to the place trying to get help, you know. But what I started doing is I started walking with my feet with about a five degree outset. Okay. God didn't design my feet to walk with a five degree outset. Okay, it started on the left and it went to the right. So I'm walking like this, you know. That don't hurt. You know, that don't hurt. You know, it didn't for a while. And then I've told a, a few that, uh, you know, I'm having to learn to walk again. And they probably don't realize until now what I was saying. But that's, that's humanity. Is it, hey, how are you spiritually? Are you okay? You know, We've got a big spiritual slash across our gut. and Praise the Lord, I'm okay. But my feet really has bothered me. But in walking like this, the bones on the outside of my feet, I have paid the price for doing that. And now walking flat with them again, you know, I could walk like this and tell other people, man, I'm telling you, this is great. You know, my feet don't hurt anymore. Instead of like Isaiah saying, woe, <laughs> woe is me. <laughs> woe is me. But you know, God is good to us. And he's marked us. And he's marked us for a purpose. And that is that whatever uniquely is wrong with us, he'll fix. And if he'll give us an example of one of Isaiah, he's the one that I love. He told us he's going to come in the form of a lamb. The one you can read, Isaiah, I just love to read after him. And one that you just read right in the beginning of his book that God says,
there's a little something we need to deal with, Isaiah. And that is just the kindness of God. God marked him. But yet he takes and he'll deal with all of us that way. We are marked. We have a calling. We have a purpose that each and every one of us shares. And I thank God for us. Let's stand. Let's pray one more time. Hallelujah. God, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what it means, Lord Jesus. I ask you, holy God, to seal this, Lord God. Touch us. Thank you for your goodness, Lord God. Thank you for your kindness. Oh, God, I praise you, God, for what you're going to do. Thank you for marking us, God. Thank you for your strength and protection, God, you put upon us. I love you and I praise you, God. Strengthen us the rest of the day. Thank you, God, for your goodness and kindness, God. I praise you, God. Have your way, God. The rest of the service, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray, holy God. Amen. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.